0: All right, so a quick recap from the last few weeks. Again, the first three weeks, we were kind of laying the foundation. Laying the foundation as we consider together how people change. And again, this is completely, 100% based on a curriculum called How People Change, put out by a group called CCEF, the Christian Counseling Education Foundation. So lesson one, week one, we looked at how we all have a legitimate, valid reason to hope for change. That's not a false hope. That's not a pie-in-the-sky hope. We actually have good reason, according to Scripture, for true change to happen, right? And we talked about how salvation past and salvation future gives us a deep confidence and hope as we struggle and grow in the present day today. And so the fact that we were saved, the fact that we will be ultimately in the new heavens and new earth and fully sanctified and glorified in Christ, that has great implications for today. The day-to-day Battles and challenges and joys of daily life. So that was week one. Week two, lesson two, we considered the person who changes us. The person who changes us. How do we have this power to actually change? Well, it comes through the person of Jesus Christ. He provides not only the resources for change, but He also offers us relationship with Him as well. And as we behold and see Christ more clearly in His Word, the Word of Christ, as we engage more deeply into His body, the body of Christ, And as we cry out to help from His Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, we really can change and grow in knowing Jesus, enjoying Him, and communing with Him. Last week, Lesson 3, we learned that God has provided a wonderful context for change. God knows that we cannot change by ourselves. It is impossible to change on our own, but praise God He gave us a context to change, and that is the local body of Christ in particular, right? We need one another. And God has placed us right here in the middle of Delray Baptist Church in this season of life. In another season, you might be in a different body of Christ, but that's what he's given us to grow up into him who is the head into Christ. As imperfect as we are, this is what he's given us, these jars of clay to grow and hopefully carry around that treasure a little more thoughtfully. All right, so with that foundation, we're now going to begin to examine the process of change here starting this week in lesson four all the way through lesson 12. So Today's lesson, this morning's lesson, is going to introduce all the different elements that are a part of the change process. So the central point we're going to try to drive home today is that practical hope, comfort, and direction result from looking at our lives in our world from God's big picture perspective. And the main question we'll consider is how does the big picture help you, help us to understand and respond to the God of grace as he works through the details of your life? And so take a moment, just think about and consider your life in this present season, your day-to-day life, your day-to-day circumstances, right? Have you ever found yourself, whether in this season or in previous seasons, lost at times? Lost at times, not quite understanding why you have a certain struggle, why things are especially hard for you when they don't seem especially hard maybe for someone else, right? We might not exactly know why it is that our marriage is struggling. We might not know exactly why we're battling with depression or depressed feelings in this season of life. We might not know exactly why we're so discontent with our job in this season of life. And we might not know why exactly it is that we're feeling so awkward in social settings. And we're also maybe not 100% sure why we're so angry about being stuck in traffic at this moment in time. Sometimes there's ways in which we can feel stuck in what we think. Any examples you wanted to add to the daily life piece that can happen, that we that feel stuck?
1: Too, like I think another scenario that we all feel really, probably, is when we have those addictions or certain sins, right? these setting mm-hmm. sins, we might call them, that it's just like I, I know that I don't want to have these lustful thoughts and actions. Like I know that I'm dealing with food the wrong way, but I feel like I can't stop. And
2: so that's what this lesson is introducing a grid for
0: when we get stuck in those different scenarios. Right, yeah, how do we, as we slow down the film, what are some things we can consider in that stuckness that we might feel? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, think about it. If we're we're lost in the middle of a big city, right? If my first time into D.C., wow, that was a maze. That was a labyrinth. I literally, I wasn't sure if I was even going in circles because I couldn't even find a circle. And so in that moment... When we're lost, the tempting answer, especially if I'm lost there in D.C., might be, okay, I just need specific and detailed directions to get to the next destination, right? We can feel that sometimes, and that can be helpful in that moment. But what we really need, what I really needed, was a helicopter overview of the whole city implanted in my mind, right? I needed to see the big picture so that in any given moment I had a sense of where to go and where I was lost and where we needed to head to. And so, ideally, the Bible gives us that helicopter view of all of life. The helicopter view of all of life. And oftentimes, the Bible might not feel like that to us. It might feel like a random collection of stories, of poems, of teachings, of commands. But if we consider the whole of Scripture, it gives us, it provides for us the essential elements that give us an overall picture of life as God sees it and change as God sees it. And changes God, does it. And so, this sense of the whole helps us to begin slowly making sense of the details of everyday life. And so, we want to try to step back and have that helicopter view of Scripture, while again, not neglecting diving deep into Scripture, right? Really diving down into a specific verse and a passage, but let's not lose the whole storyline, the entire storyline and movement of Scripture as we consider the big picture together. And so, again, the hope is that this lesson is going to in- introduce us to four elements that the Bible repeatedly seems to include in the change process that God uses in the lives of his people. And so it's interesting, too, that God, so often, probably 99% of our life, the change happens in everyday life. There's going to be a few big moments, significant moments in our lives that are, that are stamped with us. But for the most part, there's going to be day-to-day life that God is going to help us begin to see evidences of grace in our life and also areas that He wants us to grow. And so the hope is that as we see these elements, uh, these elements, again, you're not going to find them in one specific passage of Scripture kind of clearly laid out. But as we begin to uh, talk about these elements and consider how uh, we identify these in Scripture— you'll see that they're going to help to start to simplify and enrich our understanding of what the Bible does teach. And we'll begin to see these elements everywhere, these four elements that we'll introduce. And so um, this diagram, and so it's going to be on the second page of your handout if you got that. So let me just make a, a quick comment about this diagram. The hope is that this diagram is helpful for you to, uh, to you guys. If you're a visual person, especially, this could be helpful for you. Um, I would say don't get, if you find yourself getting lost in it, especially as we begin to talk about it, don't let that bog you down. Try to remember, again, the bigger elements that we're trying to consider together. Again, this, what this diagram is trying to give is one way of considering, okay, life hits, life hits, and, and I respond. My heart reacts. My soul reacts. There are thoughts that are going to be in response to what's happening around me, Even inside my body itself, there's thoughts, there's going to be emotions, and there's going to be behaviors that come from that, okay? So life is going to hit, and we want to slow down and go, okay, what's happening? What's happening around me right now? I'm responding to something, or I'm not responding to something. What's happening around me? And now what am I seeing come out? Now, again, we have to recognize our kind of, you know, personality bent in this, even our family upbringing in this. Some of us are going to be more bent to go straight external. I'm going to look at the injustices happening around us. In many ways, that can be a strength, right? Praise God for those that really are seeing injustice and wanting to act on those. Some of us could use a little bit more of that bent of acting on injustice. So know your bent. Are you more external? Like, you're looking outward, got to fix this. Or are you more internal? You're someone who's actually more prone towards morbid introspection life hits something happens and oh man that's a sinful response gosh another example of what a failure i am another example of how i just can't do this christian life as easily as it seems other people can again or the other side of that spectrum is oh life's happening you know what the problem is the biggest problem is out here and i would say maybe maybe but don't miss what's happening under the hood in our hearts as it responds to daily life so again that's the bigger picture here How do we try to think well about when life hits and what needs to change? So this is one approach that is helpful. But again, all four of these things that we're going to discuss are things you'll always want to consider regardless of how it is you do that and how you put that together. So first off, we'll talk about the heat, the heat. And what that is talking about, that'll be kind of at the top of that diagram there. All the heat saying is, okay, what is your situation? Right. You and I are always reacting to things that are happening around us. Both the good and the bad, right? The promotion and not knowing where the next paycheck's going to come from. The relationship that just had a really, really encouraging time together and the relationship that is just fractured and seems like there's no way forward. We're all responding to the situation. So what is the situation? What's the heat of life? The external. And I will also say, uh, I would include in the heat even our bodies, right? We're embodied soul, scripture talks about. So our soul is embodied in our bodies. That's part of who we are. So, man, am I feeling especially healthy? You've been, you know, consistent in the gym. Praise God, you know, 29 days into January. That's great. Or it's like, man, I've I've got chronic pain. I haven't been able to do anything physically for the last several years. I'm wracked by a certain ailment. So, again, what's your heat? What's your situation? The second one, you want to talk about the thorns of life that we might see when uh, heat hits? Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, so thorns, keep in mind that they're growing out of something. But often that's our first clue, like, oh, I'm feeling really anxious right now, or, oh, I just responded by yelling (laughs) at my kids. That's not right. I don't know maybe why yet that isn't right, but those thorns are kind of our first clue that something is growing out of our hearts that doesn't image Christ. So the thorns, you can see they're the other side of the diagram here, the side that we want to move away from. And so, again, it's just helpful to remember that these thorns are going to be growing out of something because we're never passive. Our hearts Mm -hmm. are always active. And so we don't want to blame it on our circumstances, and we don't want to turn too (coughs) introspective as well because we don't exactly know right away. Usually we don't know right away what those thorns are growing out of. It takes time and help and prayer and help from the community. Um, Yeah, anything else you want to say about that?
0: No, I think, yeah, that's good. And again, the thorns, there's often going to be that revealing of like, there's, there's something in me, like I'm expecting something. I might be craving something. I might be demanding something. I might be believing something. And again, real quick way to think about desires, like desires could be very good, right? For those who are in a season of singleness and they desire a spouse, that's a good thing to desire. What sin can do sometimes though, is take our desires and make them demands. How am I supposed to, Love God and love people well without this thing in my life. I, I, I'm sorry, need. Sorry, desire goes to need. I need this. I need this to walk fruitfully and thoughtfully in my life with Christ. And then the need might become over time a demand. I have to have this, and if I don't get it, there's going to be some punishing behaviors that will come out, either on yourself or on others. So again, that's where when the thorns come out, what's that desire, what's that you know, belief, what's happening there under, under the surface there? And maybe real
1: quick, I think that this is going to tie in real well with the sermon later um, this morning when we talk about um, idols and how we shall have no idols, right? So another way to talk about these thorns and how these thorns grow up is they grow up out of potential idols that we may have in our hearts. So the thorn is like the, uh, uh, you know, flashing light, look under the hood, something's going on in your heart that'll give us a clue to reflect
0: amen the old check engine light praise the lord so uh that's right yeah try not to you know there's a way to turn that off without actually fixing your engine don't do that in the christian life is that the takeaway right, yeah. that's not a takeaway Apparently, at all. we're gonna keep really going is a tool where you can just turn that light off it's not good don't you do that in the christian you life look the <laughs> yes check that engine check that engine all right then the other piece that's introduced here is the cross and the cross is essentially saying all right who is god And what does he reveal relevant to us in our situation? Relevant to you in your situation. Relevant to me in my situation. If God truly is an ever-present help in time of need, an ever-present help in trouble, and if he truly has given us the person of Christ, and if he truly has given us everything we need to respond in a godly way to what we face daily, if that's true, and I believe it is because the Bible says it's true, then what does it look like to consider Christ in the midst of our responses, our reactions of daily life? Now, again, remember, this is, we're talking about a process of change, not necessarily a process of reflection. Here's what I mean by that. The process of change is, okay, on the reflection side, the, hopefully the impulse is going straight to the Lord. Lord, this happened and I'm responding right now. I'm angry. And there might be a good and right reason for anger, right? Anger being that moral emotion that says something's wrong. Or it could also be bad, and so it's Lord, help me make sense of this. Hey, brother, sister in Christ, help me make sense of this. Now, if we do notice there are thorns there, bring that to the cross of Christ. Bring it to Him. Again, it's that uh, it might be. I don't know if it's Robert Murray McShane. I'm, I'll attribute it to him. The quote of for every one look you take at your sin, take ten looks at Christ. Okay. Don't ignore the one look at our sin. But also don't flip the script on that. The 10 looks at our sin and maybe a passing glance at Christ. So how do we consider the person of Christ when we notice the thorns that are there? It's going to take us upward immediately to a place where we can change and not turn morbidly inward or even make us want to be defensive to say, no, 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 that can't be true of me. Well, yes, it can be true of you. (laughs) Look at all that needed to happen for your sin to be forgiven and look at how much power you need to be given to put that thing to death. You need the person of Jesus himself. And so that's the cross. That's what that's introducing there. And then the fruit. You want to talk about the fruit?
1: Yeah, I think so much of my Christian life has been trying to move from thorns to fruit all on my own. Like, Mm. I see thorns in my life. I know that was wrong, that I got angry. And then I just try to squeeze out the fruit in my own strength. Okay, I need to not be angry. I try really hard to put that to death. And so what's so beautiful is it is the Lord. It is His cross. It is His grace that moves us from one side of the diagram to the other, which makes so much sense, right? Because if it were us that squeezes out this good fruit, then we would get some glory from that. Like my life, my sanctification would be like, wow, good job, you're crushing it as a Christian, instead of, no, I really I can claim no glory for anything good in my life, because it's only through the cross that this fruit has grown. So the fruit, again, is gonna be because of what Jesus has done, we can respond to the same pressures in a brand new way. So maybe my heat of singleness hasn't changed. But the Lord is growing in me this peace where I trust him more. And it still hurts. It's not that it doesn't hurt. But... There's something about Jesus that is becoming more and more precious. Like, he's with me. I feel him with me. And his, uh-huh. his presence with me is really what I ultimately most need. Or, you know, would love to have maybe more children or would love to have a child. Maybe that heat there is still present in your life. But the way God has been changing you, again, you feel his comfort. You feel his peace with you. And the fruit that's coming out of you is turning from like an anxious striving to a rest. Where you see, oh, I used to get really, really uh, maybe upset when on social media I saw other friends or other people post pictures of their babies. Now it doesn't bother me quite as much. I, I feel like I can be a little bit happy for them now. Right? Like that's good fruit that the Holy Spirit is growing out of you. Where the situation maybe hasn't changed. But the way
0: that your heart is able mm-hmm. to respond um, is changing. By his yeah. grace. Amen. No, that's great. And just uh, kind of to tie it a little bit into last week when we talked about community. Um, again, we're talking about the roots. And the roots are just a little at the little on the thorns mm-hmm. part of the diagram. There's a minus. On the fruit part, there's a plus. It's talking about the roots, right? So you won't see the word roots on there. But it's talking about, again, those underlying things under the hood, the beliefs, mm-hmm. the the desires. The demands, all those things. So um, we, it's hard for us to know what another person's root issues are. It's hard to know where that root's coming from. It's easier for us to see, though, the things on the surface, right? The thorns and the fruit. And so that's where, as a body of Christ, we want to be, uh, be willing to and able to enter into to say, when you see an evidence of grace in somebody's life, hey, brother, sister, thank you for serving. I see you behind the scenes serving. Thank you. Like, we want to point that out. Or if you're walking alongside a friend and you're like, hey, you seem... I don't know, you seem like you're just able to, in that moment that would typically lead to such anger and frustration for you, you seem a little more patient than before. Praise God for that. Or on the thorn side, like, hey, you seem a little bit more irritable than normal. I just want to point that out. We want to be careful not to say, and here's why you're doing it. I know why you're doing it. I don't know. We need each other to draw out with questions. Lord, help us explore that together with the cross, right? With the person of Christ and his finished work in the middle. That's the lens where we're not afraid to go scuba diving into the recesses of our hearts. And we also know, okay, we don't want to stay there forever. We want to go, okay, I see it. Lord, let me bring that to you and to other people.
1: And maybe with that too. Yeah, go ahead really tempting to say you know what's in someone's heart if they're your spouse and you know them really well. I know why you did that. Yeah. Right, <laughs> so that's really tempting or if they're your children Yeah. and you know them really well or at least you think you do or with your parents, right? It can just be really tempting to think I've seen you do that over and over and, and over you know, I know I why. I know it's there but we all need humility, right? Even our own hearts, it's just so hard to know but that's why, right, the Psalmist 139 yeah. says Lord, you know, search me, try me, know my heart and, you know, lead me in the way everlasting. You guys probably in your head are like, that's not exactly how that verse goes. But you know that verse, just how the psalmist, he needs to turn to the Lord to search his heart. He can't do it on
0: his own. Right. And again, some of us with better intuition, we might be right about what's going on with that person. But let's let's try to draw each other out. All right. Let's um, Might not have time to go to both passages, but we'll at least do the let's look at Jeremiah 17 together. So again, we're, we're going to look at uh, two or three passages together. One we'll definitely look at in our small group time. But first, we're going to look at Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 5 to 10. Jeremiah 17, verses 5 to 10. So again, the Bible will often use concrete images to illustrate spiritual truths. And so Jeremiah 17 is where we get this imagery that is filling in the diagram from. So again, you're not going to see the whole diagram in Jeremiah 17, but you'll see why these images of heat and thorns and cross and fruit are so helpful. Can someone read for us Jeremiah 17, verses 5 to 10?
3: Heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart, I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his
0: doings. Well, there it is. You can see again several of these elements, all of these elements in this passage of Jeremiah 17. So verse 8 introduces there that imagery of the heat being used to describe life in a fallen world. It also, so it mentions there uh, that this tree planted by water doesn't fear when what? When heat comes, when heat comes, or when there's a year of drought, right? So talking about external in verse eight. In verse six, we see the image of the shrub, the thorn bush in the wasteland. And... Again, there's no fruit on thorn bushes. And so what this is trying to show and give us a picture of is the person who is not considering the Lord and is turning away from the Lord in any given moment situation. And there is no fruit that can be produced but only thorns. Verses 5 and 7, we see this kind of clear reference to the Lord himself, right? He's the Redeemer who comforts, cleanses, empowers those who humbly trust in him. And so that part of the passage is we see that there represented by, by the cross itself. So you see that how we need the Lord, right? The man who trusts in the Lord. And even at the beginning, thus says the Lord. This is wisdom coming from the Lord to try to help us understand and have a picture of what this can look like. And then also there at the end, verses 9 and 10, it points out that God doesn't just focus on our behavior. He doesn't just focus on the external. Right? It's good and right for our behavior to grow and change over time, but that's not ultimately where God puts the emphasis. Right? Where does he put the emphasis there in verses 9 and 10? What word do you see there being talked about? The, the heart. And in Scripture, the heart is the center of who a person is. The, the heart is where <clears throat> thoughts, feelings, and actions all overflow from. The, the heart is not just talking about affections here biblically in Scripture. It's talking about the center of who we are. So God doesn't ignore the behavior. Right? Behavior is important. But let's try to go a little bit deeper and try to understand what's happening under the surface of our heart. So again, the heat, it's the person's situation, the real world with all of its difficulties, blessings, temptations, and enticements. Then, of course, there's the thorns again, the person's. This could be our ungodly responses to a situation, which includes behavior. It includes the heart that drives the behavior, and then there's consequences that follow. Now, quick word on consequences. Consequences become the next now touch point for us to either respond in a thorn-like way or in a way that that shows fruit. The consequences, both the consequences of good and the consequences of our sin are now the next touch point for us to begin this process again of considering how we now respond to that. And again, we have the cross, right? The presence of God and all His redemptive glory and love. We have to remember and try to reflect on, meditate on how God brings comfort, cleansing, and true power to change. We actually can change. We can change. We might feel tempted to say, no, no, there's something different about me. Something different about my situation. I will never actually change. Not true. Don't let pride come in like that. We're talking about God. I don't know when. I don't know exactly how. But he will keep knocking on that door and saying, Lord, help me. Lord, grow me. And then there's the fruit, right? The person's new godly response to the situation as a result of God's redemptive power at work in the heart. All right. So um, we, if we have time, when we come back together, we'll look at, uh, again, an example of this in 1 Samuel 17. But I want you guys to have time in your small groups together. So here's what we're going to do. Break up into groups of, let's say, two to four Five is OK. If, if you uh, end up with five, that's fine. One is not so much. So two, <laughs> groups of two to four. Uh, you'll have it there on that third page. Now again, it's tiny print. I don't know if you can fill this out well, but together you're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter one verses two to 12. 2 Corinthians 1, Second uh, Corinthians one verses two to 12. And you' just walk through that. And what elements do you see when it comes to heat? What's the situation? <laughs> What are thorn responses that either you see in the passage or that Paul would be tempted to respond to or that you could see someone responding to in a thorn-like way to what Paul describes in 2 Corinthians 1? And then also, where do you see some fruit of that and the consequences? So you guys, uh, let's try to take 10-ish minutes to work through that together, and then we'll come back together for some Q&A. So we'll break up in our groups of 2 to 4-ish. All right, so let's just... We'd love to hear from you guys maybe one or two of these from your groups for each of these four elements what are some things you saw when it comes to the heat of second corinthians chapter one so what did you see about paul's situation what's the heat maybe one or two things about that yes
3: like he was talking about affliction in asia
0: affliction in asia right so things were hard right there was suffering that was going on amen big fist bump for that all right another one that's helpful heat that you guys saw in this passage Yes? It says,
2: for we were so utterly
0: burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. I mean, that's some heat. Despairing of life itself. Wow. That's some heat. Great one. Absolutely. Yeah, and even the way in which there was, uh, you know, there in verse 12, just even some of the uh, extreme criticism that Paul even experienced there. All right. um, So, what are some, when you think about the thorns, right? So, based on this situation, what could have Paul wanted and believed in his heart? What, what are some of the thorns or some of the sinful reactions that could have happened with Paul here despairing of life in the midst of affliction during this missionary journey? What are some some thorns there that you guys consider together? Yeah Jason Great connection. great connection, very natural understandable response there. I'm done. I've done too much. This affliction is too great. I'm ready to ready to be done. That's great. Anyone else? The other potential thorn responses that would have been understandable in this situation here with Paul. We
1: just talked about like fear could have driven him to turn from like what God had asked him to do and proclaiming the gospel. So that could have been a, a response
0: to the Yeah. Question. Yeah yeah amen gosh it's another great reflect i mean i i read this and i'm just thinking man all the ways that i would have responded to thorns i'm like that's pretty countless at least it feels that way to me but yeah a lot of ways even yeah paul you know tempted to doubt god's goodness that, that could have been a natural understandable response to great affliction great afflictions uh, all right so now consider the cross here right in relation to the situation what are some things we learned about who God is and, and what he's done to, to, that's relevant to Paul in this situation that we read about in 2 Corinthians 1? So consider the cross there. Amen. Yeah, both God's character. It's one of the most important things we can remember in any situation is God's character. But then, yeah, very helpful back. He also then considered God's faithfulness in the past to Paul. Two wonderfully beautiful moments that, that will help us in any situation. Someone else, something as we consider the, the cross relevant to Paul and his situation here. He says there, his hope is unshaken. Mm. His hope is unshaken because of who God is. Amen. His hope's in the right place. Yes. from such a peril and will deliver again. On set our hope deliver us Amen. That touches on, it's beautiful because it touches on both the past deliverance and so in light of that, and it's saying He, it's putting it to the Lord, He's going, He'll do it again. He'll do it again. It's a wonderful place to take that. Great reflection there on some of the cross. Reflection. So how about for the fruit, right? For the fruit. What are ways in which we saw Paul kind of direct his heart and responded as he considered who God is and, and what God had accomplished?
3: Care for the body of Christ and that we all suffer and we're all comforted together. Hey. Let me help you and you can
0: help me. That's so good. Very outward focused. Great point, Pat. As he went upward to the Lord, right, that's that cross reflection, that person of Christ reflection, it helped him to be outward. The sparing of life itself, who was Paul thinking about? Their people that's supernatural that is very supernatural because it reminds us of jesus himself hanging on the cross father forgive them for they do not know what they do that's supernatural very good yeah other fruit that you see here in this passage is paul considers the lord Simplicity and godly sincerity. Amen. Yeah, a fruit. You get to see that fruit, that evidence of grace. And again, some encouragement we could even provide to those that we're invited to walk alongside in the midst of hard times. When I'm talking to somebody, if they've said, hey, Danny, can we meet up to talk about this difficult time in life? It's an easy opportunity to point out an evidence of grace. Hey, I just want to praise God right now that you reached out to me. That's, Wow. (laughs) Praise God, because let me tell you, sin and Satan do not want you reaching out to a brother in Christ in this moment, or a sister in Christ. He wants you to stay inward and isolated. God's working. God's working. So again, it's not that we're fully where we need to be, but let's point out the evidences of grace as they're there. Very good. All right, we've got some time here, so um, yeah. before we introduce that 1 Samuel 17 passage, any general questions with some of the time we have remaining as you guys initially consider this diagram of the heat thorns cross fruit and again we'll be looking at each of these elements we'll spend a couple weeks on each of them in the coming weeks so yes Could you give practical guidance on if you are uh, doing life with somebody speaking into their life and you do notice maybe some
2: thorns mm-hmm. how do
0: you go know about pointing that out in a way that if you're wrong it's not offensive yeah. or even if you're right the, their response isn't pride and defensiveness sure because how do you do that well yeah, so how do we kind of speak the truth and love well with each other? It's a great question, um, and obviously a lot of that's going to depend on what's the relationship there that's, that we have with each other. But I think it's helpful to kind of, you know, to try to be as clear in what we're saying and why we're saying it to that person in a way where even if they misinterpret it, we're trying to make it very, very hard for them to misinterpret. So what we can say is, maybe I'm talking, I see just some, man, some things that are concerning about a brother in Christ. And I would say, hey, brother, I... I want you to know I love you. I'm a covenant together with you in this body of Christ here. I, I know, as, I, as I've known you, you desire to grow in Christ. Like you want more and more to, uh, to you know, worship the Lord and, and how you think and act and feel. And so I, I hope it's helpful. Is it okay if I just point out to you some things that I've seen that I'm, I'm either curious about or that I'm a little concerned about? I don't know why you're doing them. I don't know that you intend them to come across that way, but I love you and I just want to point those out. Can we consider that together? So again, a couple things there. You're trying to say, listen, I love you. This is coming out of love. And hey, I want you to speak into me if I'm being unhelpful in how we talk about this. And here's what I'm observing on the outside, some of the thorns. And I know, I'm assuming, hopefully, that there's a good desire that's in there to grow in Christ. But I'm not assuming their motive. I'm not assuming what they intended kind of under the hood. And one of the things Melissa mentioned either last week or the week before, obviously the first thing we want to do is pray. Lord, help them see it. Depending on the severity of what we're seeing, help them see it. Lord, give me a natural opportunity to do this. But then, by God's grace, to be okay with that awkward moment because we love them. Or if we're people who are like, what's awkward? Just tell them what's wrong. Like we could be bent in that personality to say, Lord, help me slow down and not assume motive too much and actually consider that. How do I love this person knowing change is slow? So, anything you want to add to that?
1: Just another, like, simple rubric that I'll run through my head. If I do feel after praying for a while, and the Lord's really convicting me, I need to say something, I'm the right person to say something, Mm -hmm. then I'll run through the rubric of good, hard, bad, good, hard, bad, good, hard, bad, in that order. So, this is, it just maps on to what Danny was saying of, like, I love you. Well, that's kind of the context. And then calling out the good. We're assuming that this person is um, a believer, right. but calling out, like, I know you want to grow in Christ. Like, I see him in you. Maybe mentioning some ways you see God at work. And then maybe mentioning some hard. Like, hey, I see this situation's kind of tough for you. Like, maybe you're hurting. Maybe you're suffering. Maybe you're being really squeezed. Like, the heat's really strong, right? So first call out the good, then you call it the hard, And then maybe what are some potential forms? And you can present it as a question of like, hey, I'm seeing this, mm-hmm. am I interpreting that right? Let's talk about it. Can we dialogue together? Versus like putting a label on someone, you know, you just want to invite the conversation. So good part of that.
0: Good, good practical question. Yeah. So That's good.
1: very practical, yeah. yeah. Anyone else? Yes.
3: So, um, on the other side, just thinking about you were mostly you were talking about the woman who wanted to have kids and
1: it got better and there's um, praise God for that change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like, how
3: do you, how would you kind of talk about knowing that we'll always be going at this diagram for the rest mm-hmm. of our lives? Mm-hmm. But then also in, in circumstances or themes they'll start to change. So like, how do you
0: see both that like and not get discouraged knowing we'll always be <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah
1: one way to think about it is that, you know, it's like that whole idea of the Galatians five, like the fruit of the spirit and how it really is fruit singular. So it's all gonna be growing together in different stages and ways Mm -hmm. and varying amounts. Yeah, so maybe, I don't know if this is what you're saying, but thinking through, are you presenting some of the question of like, maybe in one certain situation, you see God refines you and you have a lot of patience. And then God puts you in another situation that's really hard and then you're like, oh, I lost all my patience. Now I'm like really irritable. Is that some of what you're touching on? Yeah. yeah. Or you always
3: have
1: thorns that you'll be trying to mm-hmm. yeah. Sure, right. Yeah. But by God's grace, the thorns will get smaller and smaller. Or if you do find yourself in that really hard situation, to know that it's like, because the Bible uses this illustration a lot too of, um, a like silver getting refined, right? Mm-hmm. Which is kind of lost on us because it doesn't really, we don't really watch it happen these days. But you know how it gets get really heated. The metal would be really, really heated. And then all the impurities rise to the top. So whatever is mixed in with the silver, that shouldn't be there. Maybe dirt, I don't know, lead? I don't know what, there was, what was in with that, the silver. That sounds right. Right. Just stuff <laughs> you don't want, whatever you don't want in the silver, if you heat it, it rises to the top. And so then you can skim it off. So maybe thinking about your question that way of like, oh, I see this like dirt on the top, like what's going on? It doesn't mean that you've regressed in your Christian life, it might feel like that. Mm-hmm. It's just what is God drawing to the surface? It's cause he's gonna skim it off and you're gonna look more and more pure and clean and you're gonna reflect him. More and more, just like silver gets really shiny as it gets refined. So, mm. so maybe remembering that, like if you feel like, oh, there are the thorns again. Well, God's allowing me to see them because he wants to get rid of them. Yeah. So instead of being discouraged, well, we will be discouraged if we look at ourselves and our own resources. But if when I see those thorns, I turn straight to the cross and I see, but Jesus paid for this. And Jesus is showing me this because he wants to change it then I can have hope and
0: I don't have to be discouraged when I see those things. Yeah. that kind of you're asking? Okay, sorry. Yeah. Amen, okay. yeah. And I'll kind of say to that even just in my own life, it's how can, how can I see the cross bigger? How can I see Christ bigger throughout my life? As that continues to grow, then the focus won't be as much like, ah, stuck in the cycle again. What's wrong with me? This is so exhausting. It could be like, oh, this is what God uses to grow me into Christ and that's good. I'm hopeful. He's going to finish it. And as he does, every in, from one degree of glory to the next, I can experience joy in Christ, freedom in Christ, peace in Christ. And so, yeah, Lord, let's go to work. Let's go to war versus, oh, I'm tired or, man, this is, I'm just never going to get it. And so, again, who's Jesus? Because I can, when, when self, when I'm at the center of my system and I'm thinking of myself more than the Lord, my successes and failures it can feel more deflating than when I think of who, who God is in Christ. Is. So let's maybe go.
1: just one more thought, because it really is such a great question. It's a great like, question. so many themes yep. there. But just the fact that like God uses this this process is really, like let's not miss it, that he could just in an instant transform yep. us to look perfectly like Jesus and have no more sin. Mm-hmm. But that's not how mm-hmm. he changes us. And so Why? And there are a ton of reasons, right? Like he's growing our awareness of our sin. He's showing us the preciousness of Christ. He's moving us towards dependence. But just the patience of God, mm-hmm. I think, is a really good thing to keep in mind. Amen. He bears it's with slow. me. And he loves me. And he is changing me. He mm-hmm. loves me so much that he's, he's even allowing some of this to remain mm-hmm. so that I can grow in my awareness and look more and more like him.
0: Yeah. It's good.
2: Yeah, I think it's a good point. The thing of two is um mm-hmm. in my own life is just if I'm mm-hmm. counseling, it's just provide an opportunity for us to reach out to the body of Christ for help. Hey, brothers and sisters, can you pray for me? I'm weak in this area. Um there are these truths about God that I can't believe right now. You right. Don't ever, never want to do that. But I think it's it's just essential for the body of Christ that yeah. we're in strength and weakness to reach out to each other. Yeah. Because um, I think it's just how God designed it, so we can't figure it all out ourselves. And so I think in those times where we're frustrated with our sin, you know, it's perpetual, it's not going to be so annoying. Mm-hmm. And it's, it provides an opportunity to grow in, in humility and reaching out to you know the body, um, which we don't want to do, but I think God gets worried because of that.
0: You know? mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah, that's beautiful. Don't do it by ourselves. Go upward and then outward. That's good. So we're out of time. We're actually a couple minutes over time. Uh, so on your kind of quote-unquote homework, I just want to highlight number two under make it real. It's a good reflection to see what aspects of the model you tend to emphasize to the neglect of others. And then also, we didn't get a chance to look at First Samuel 17, Goliath, mm-hmm. Saul, and David. Did you want to mention something real quick on that before just I phrase out? If you want more
1: practice on this at home, if you just want to dig into the scriptures. <laughs> I think Goliath is a great example of heat. And then Saul and David are great contrasting Mm -hmm. pictures, right? Of good fruit, good root, thorns and idolatry so obviously Saul David they're really they're contrasted all throughout the book of 1st Samuel it's one of the, kind of the organizing themes of 1st Samuel but especially there in chapter 17 of Goliath you can kind of use him as mm-hmm. the heat and then you can go throughout the chapter and, and mark out where you see yep. kind of different responses there so right. Amen. If you want,
0: yeah to let me pray that. us out and then we'll do it again next week we'll spend a couple weeks considering our situational dynamic of the heat so let me pray Father thank you again that you are such a patient God Thank you that because of your spirit, we actually can behold and see Christ. Help us to see you and see him more clearly. Again, through your word and the body of Christ, by the power of your spirit. And help us to consider the ways in which we see the thorns and understand why they're growing. And what does that look like for that to become fruit? And help us to not turn to inward and morbid introspection or never slow down enough to reflect on what's happening in our heart. Thank you, Father. We love you. Thank you for loving us so intensely and so deeply. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.